Welcome to South End Freedom House. What's up, everybody? My name's Troy Maxwell. Uh, my wife and I are the senior pastors here. Let's give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Diana, Pastor Matt. Who wants a hat like Pastor Di- Not me. I can't wear hats like that. And uh, Pastor Diana, only half of your shirt is tucked in. Just wanted to say that. Anyway, um, just a couple quick things just to mention to you. We are making some changes. Keep your eyes, your ears, your email, your social media peeled. We are changing how we're doing our giving. Our whole giving platform is about to change. And so just keep your eyes out. It's a better platform. It actually saves the church a bunch of money, and so, which is always good. And so um, I hate making changes like this, but this is the season where we're gonna make that change. All I wanna say to you as your pastor, just keep an eye out for it so you'll know, because I know many of you are such incredible faithful givers. I'm gonna tell you something about this church, and I get, I have the, the incredible privilege of traveling all around the country and seeing other churches, and you guys are incredibly generous. To be able to do that with Convoy of Hope and to be able to help somebody rebuild their house, um, I don't know how much money we were able to give, but it was just an amazing, amazing thing. Some of you don't know this, but when we started this church 20 years ago, um, we immediately took 10%. We Minimum 10% goes out every single week. So everything that comes in, um, 10% of that goes directly back out to minister to people. Now, we've, we've always done more than 10%. I think this year we hit 18%. We were able to give away, and it's all because of your faithfulness. It's because of being a faithful tither. Give yourselves a big hand. Come on, thank you guys so much for being faithful. <clears throat> and also, um, you know, we had Pat and uh, his wife Rocky up here, and uh, what an amazing name. If you're having a child, what a great name. Rocky. Come on. I mean, and just, just awesome. i just blown away. But anyway, uh, make sure you vote. Make sure you go out and vote. Don't, don't not do it. Make sure you do something. Um, if you need help in making those decisions, who do I vote for? Where do I go? Talk to one of our team members. If you're a part of the uh, Freedom House staff, stand up real quick. Freedom House staff, part of Freedom House staff. You can see them all over the place. And make sure you visit them. One of our leaders can help you as well, and uh, they'll do that. I'm excited. This is the second time this month I got to be with South End. You're my favorite church. Don't tell the other campuses. You know, just like my favorite daughter's here today, Cassidy, she's my favorite daughter. And so, uh, very, very excited to be with you. I am uh, closing out this series on the book of Revelations. Let me make mention that last week, one of my great friends, Pastor Steve Smotherman, preached a message called The Spirit of the Antichrist at our central campus last week. It's on YouTube. Every one of these messages is going to be on YouTube, either in audio form or video. And uh, this message is the only time it will be heard live, and you get to hear it today. Uh, I'm, I'm continuing that book, uh, the, the letters that Jesus sent to the seven churches, and I'm talking about the Church of Philadelphia, also known as the Faithful Church. So if you have a Bible, turn it to Revelation chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, cheat off a Christian beside you. If, you're, you know, if you don't have either one of those, then look at the screen behind me, and it'll lead you through it. Some notes, pull your iPad out, open your eyelids, write some things down, make sure you take notes. And, and uh, this, uh, I got a lot of good stuff in this one that'll help you. And to the angel, verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, everybody say Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, it's in Asia, Philadelphia, the words of the Holy One, this is Jesus introducing himself, he did this in every single one of the letters, the true one who has the key 
of David, who opens and no one shuts, who shuts and no one opens. In other words, Jesus is the key holder of every opportunity. If you want something opened up, if you want the favor of God, you go through Jesus Christ. If you want to get into heaven, you go through Jesus Christ. He is the only way to get to heaven. Amen. Everybody said amen. Verse eight, I know your works. We'll talk about that in a minute. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut because Jesus opened it. I know that you have but little power. One translation says you have little strength. We'll talk about that. Yet you have kept my word. We'll talk about that. And have not not denied my name. We're gonna talk about that too. Behold, everybody say behold. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Because there was a group in Philadelphia that was ostracizing this particular church. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about the patient endurance or that they were patient. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast that you, what you have so that no one may seize your crown. You know, one day when we get to heaven, we will get a crown. Jesus will give us a crown. After we've gone through our judgment, we're not gonna be judged. If you're a Christian, you're not gonna be judged on whether you're saved. You're gonna be judged on what you do with Jesus. We'll all stand before God. He's gonna find your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is declaration of you making Jesus your Lord. And then he's gonna basically, we're gonna be judged not on our faith to get into heaven, but on our faith to serve him. And to do with Jesus. And then we'll get a crown. Come on. Some of us have big old gold crowns. Like, you know, Pastor Diana with that hat. A big crown. She's just practicing. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of God, of my God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. Which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own name, new name. He who has ears, can we read verse 13 together? Let's read this all together. Ready, one, two, three. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I wanna just make mention of this again because this is extremely important when it comes to our, our listening to the, the, the presence and the, and the Spirit of God. Every one of the letters, Jesus made this statement at the end of the letter because this is really the, the important root of every one of these letters. Now, every letter to these seven churches had a specific theme, but at the end of each one of them, he said, hey, you gotta listen up. That's basically what he's saying. Let me give you a prayer that'll help you hear God's voice, help you hear. Imagine if you went home today and God is sitting on your couch when you got there. That would be pretty incredible. And he asked you this question, I'll give you anything you want. Now, if you're smart, you're not gonna immediately go, I know what I want, because you, really, you need to think about that, answer that question. Like, that's a serious question. God of the universe comes and says, I'll give you anything you want. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I've thought about it often. You know, it's not, he's not a genie. You don't get three wishes. He only gave you one. Now, there was a man in the Bible who actually, actually had that question posed to him. His name was Solomon. And because of his father, because of his dad, David, imparting into him the importance of hearing God's voice, he knew exactly how to answer that question. So God said, I'll give you whatever you want. What would you like for me? 
And Solomon's response was, if you remember, this is, and write this verse down because this is a great prayer for you to pray if you have a hard time hearing God's voice. He says, he says, I want to discern the heart of God and know the difference between good and evil. In other words, let me just break that down for you very simply. In other words, I want to hear God's voice. And, and right after that, you know the story. Solomon was presented with a case that was very difficult. Just read it. I'm not going to go over it not right now. But just un- understand, if you want to hear God, pray that prayer. Pray Solomon's prayer every single day of your life. It's a prayer that I pray. Uh, it's a prayer that, that will help you hear God's voice and discern the voice of God. Now, Philadelphia, interestingly enough, was when Jesus wrote this letter, it was one of the youngest churches. It was the newest church. And because we're looking back over 2,000 years, it is the oldest church. It was the longest lasting church. It lasted into the 13th century. It was known as uh, the city of brotherly love because the person or the man who founded it was a guy by the name of Umanus. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. And he loved his brother, Atalus, A-T-T-A-L-U-S, so much that he minted coins with his brother's name on it. He named parks after his brother, streets after his brother. That's why it's known as the city of brotherly love. It was also known, and this is kind of where I want to go, as Little Athens. Little Athens. Because of the false worship that was in the city. Now, Athens, I had the incredible fortunate opportunity to go there this year and walk around Athens. Athens, during the time of this particular letter being written, was a place of idol worship. They had built all these different idols all over the city. Idols to the sun god, idols to the moon god, idols to the fertility god, idols to this and that. If you remember in Acts, Paul stood on this place called Mars Hill. I got to stand. I I walked on Mars Hill. It's pretty incredible. And he preached a message to the Greeks about the unknown God whom he declared was Jehovah, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he preached the gospel to them right from that place. Now, this is important when you understand how Jesus describes this church. He calls it the faithful church. And this is important for you and I to understand Because you may not know it, but you are presented with idol worship all the time. Especially in America. Now, you don't walk around the corner, you know, go around Shake Shack, and there's, you know, a sun god standing there that you're supposed to bow down to. But there's the god of money that is forced in front of us. Sometimes we put our family as an idol. Sometimes we put our kids as an idol. Relationships as an idol. Those things are presented to us very easily and we can fall into this place where we are no longer faithful to God, but we are faithful to whatever that is. And so Jesus calls this church, he doesn't, he doesn't give this church any bad, any bad mojo at all. He, 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 he declares over them that they are faithful. So let's answer the question, what does Jesus call faithful? think that's a great question I would want to know what Jesus calls faithful so he says he says five different things in this particular letter I want to share with you on how to be faithful so write these down the first is write this down faithful is fruitful faithful is fruitful he says to the Philadelphian church he says 
I know your works. In other words, I see what you're doing. I see your fruit. Jesus wants fruit in our lives. He wants you to reproduce what he's put in you to other people. Now, let me just let the cat out of the bag. Coming to church is not being fruitful. Just showing up is not being fruitful. Lord, I'm here. Bless you. No, that's not, that's not how it works. Fruitful is taking what God is giving us and using it to serve, to save, to help, to give, to resource God's kingdom right here on the earth. In other words, to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. So, right, this, I like this statement. Faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. You'll get into heaven. Fire insurance. A lot of people live that way. I just want fire insurance. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. You know, I don't want to go to hell. It's hot down there. I don't want to go there, so I'm just going to have just enough faith to get me into heaven. But faith alone saves faith, but faith, your faith, our faith should never be alone. James, the brother of Jesus, made this statement. He said, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, if it does not have fruit, is dead. What is he talking about? I believe he's talking about if we don't reproduce, if we don't take what Jesus has given us and produce fruit, eventually our faith will die. You'll have a fading faith, a dwindling faith. And I've watched it. You know, I've been saved for a little while. I'm getting old. 53 years old. I know I don't look that old. Come on, somebody. Make me feel good today on Sunday. My wife reminds me all the time, you're getting old. You need to color your hair. I'm like, no, I'm going to shave my head soon. Mendez. Amen. I'm looking around. Some of y'all are getting old. I can see you shaved heads. All right. Amen. Bless you. The wisdom of the Lord is upon you. Those of y'all with full heads of hair, you're young. Hold on to you. God numbers them. I don't know why he lets them go, but he does let them go. What I've noticed in the kingdom of God is people who don't have fruit with their faith eventually walk away from God. They dwindle. Their, their faith dies. And so, I, I know, I know, I hear this all the time. Well, God knows my heart. Yeah, but we can't see it. We don't know what's going on. Oh, God knows my heart. I really want to help, but, no, no, no. It doesn't say that, that faith without a good heart. No, it says faith with works. You got to have some works with it. So let's talk about this fruit for a second. I want to dig, in, dig a little deeper here. In John chapter 15, Jesus describes what this fruit looks like. He says this in verse one. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear Fruit. Everybody say no fruit. He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Everybody say some fruit. That it may bear more fruit. Everybody say more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branch. He's talking about us. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. So now I don't, you know, they've got four levels of fruit being. The first is no fruit. We just talked about that. No works. I call this the fading follower. They do nothing with what God gave him. 
he, he basically says, if you are a no fruit person, the result is you get taken away. You get removed. You're a dead branch. Whenever you see a dead branch, it eventually falls off. Sadly, sadly, it happens that way. But the next level from no fruit, if you can make it through that period, is some fruit. I call this the have-to believer. This is the person who grudgingly does it. You mean I have to serve? I mean, Pastor Matt Cave me, said I need to be an usher, and I don't know what ushing is, but I'm gonna ush my daylights out, honey, so we need to get here at 8.45, I mean, 30 minutes before church starts, because I do the huddle. They got this huddle, all these crazy people around the circle, and they clap, and they yell names, and, and go, woo, like Ric Flair, and all this stuff, and it's crazy. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never been here at 8.45. Right. It gets crazy here at 8.45. That's why I get here at nine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the grudging Christian is grudging, not gracious. They get by with the minute. Do I have to do this? So what's the result of the person who just has some fruit? God prunes them. You get pruned. Because he wants you to go to the next level. What is pruning? Adjusting, testing, correcting. Sometimes a little rebuke. Get off your blessed assurance in the name of Jesus. So Jesus tries to remove the thing. That's what testing and, and pruning is all about. He tries to remove the very thing in your life that's holding you back from producing the fruit because people will know you by your fruit. So if you can go from no fruit to some fruit, you can get to more fruit. That's what he talks about. If you can pass the pruning process, then you'll get to, get to more fruit. More fruit is the fertilizer has been applied, which is the Holy Spirit. You start to recognize things. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm not, I don't have to ush. I get to ush. I don't have to greet. I get to welcome someone into church who may have had the hardest week of their entire life. And I don't know what they're going through, but God, you do. And I get to be a smiling face and maybe a hug or a handshake that gets to love them into a place where maybe they felt judged and criticized and hurt and betrayed. And I get to be the first face that they get to walk and see. Or maybe you get to help with the kids ministry. And they bring that child, and you don't know what that kid has been through. You don't know if they've had enough meals for the week. You don't know if they've had what their family life is like. Maybe they got a single mom or a single dad, or it's hard, and you get to watch them come in, and you get to teach them the Bible and grow up. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When you get to this place of more fruit, you get hooked on serving God. You get hooked on helping people because nothing changes you like seeing someone else's life change. Nothing changes you. You get excited. I've been doing it for 30 years. It's awesome. I get, I get a different perspective because I get to see all y'all's face. Most of you are awake all service long. Most of you. It's awesome. But you know, you know what? I get to watch your lives change. I get to be a, a, like, like for, I get to be First row seat to marriages. It changes you, man. It changes everything about you when you get involved in it. That's what the kingdom of God's like. That's what it means to have more fruit. But then you get to the fourth level because there's another level that Jesus talks about. 
See, the result of more fruit is the purifying of the person. Your service, the trials and the tribulations of your service purifies your faith. And so, so you get to the fourth level of fruit, and that's called much fruit. True sacrifice. Obedience. Jesus calls it abiding in him, living in him, listening to him. And what's the result of much fruit? Your fruit remains. Your fruit remains. You get to a place where your fruit lives beyond your life, which is, all, which is where we all want to get. We all want to get where our influence has a significant impact on other people. It could be just one person. I mean, you heard Pat today talk about how Billy Graham, he got saved at a Billy Graham. I don't know, in this room there could be the next great preacher could be, I don't know, but I get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. So here's the question I want to ask you. Does God see your works like you saw the Philadelphia works? I'll just leave it right there. Secondly, he says, he says faithfulness or faithful is dependent. He says, you have little strength or little power. Now, this wasn't a dig from Jesus on the Philadelphia church. He was actually commending them because they were so small, so young, so inexperienced but yet they walked in the possibilities of God. In other words, they, they, they trusted in the power of God because when you are small and when you understand that you're weak in an area is when God can come in and address you with his power. It's called humility. You recognize this place and where humility is, where a, a confession of weakness is, God's power is. See, God doesn't judge us on the power we start with but on what we do with what he's given us. That's why the Bible says to Zechariah, God said to Zechariah, not, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, 16 years ago, um, I was talking about this yesterday at this conference that I was at. And, <clears throat> you know, I went through panic attacks and anxiety. And, you know, it took me about four years to confess that openly to people, like to share that with people because I felt like a failure. You know, here I am, you know, as a pastor, I'm trying to be this hero every single weekend. You know, got the cape on, trying to do my best, and I'm, I'm failing and flailing on the inside with this anxiety stuff. And, and depression, anxiety, panic, mental illness, any of those things, what the enemy tries to do through them is isolate you. You think by being by yourself is gonna help and that's totally the wrong thing. Confession, community is all a part of the healing process. And for me, just confessing it, sharing it with somebody brought healing. That's why G Jesus said, and he said to me, Paul, Paul was telling about Jesus, uh, an encounter he had with Jesus. He said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul says, I would, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, faithfulness is dependence on God's power, not your strength. Thirdly, faithful is truthful. Jesus said, you've kept my word. Listen, truth is not determined by what's popular, but what is actually true. Pastor Steve last week made this statement about the spirit of the Antichrist because he, he, the spirit of the Antichrist is prevalent in our world right now. 
And one of the key characteristics of the spirit of the Antichrist is the removal of absolute truth. And you and I both know that as Christians, absolute truth is God's word. We have a standard by which we live by. So when absolute truth is removed, absurdity reigns. Listen, men cannot have babies. It's impossible. And and can I just be honest for a second? I don't want to have one. Come on, all the men said amen. Look, I was in the room when she did it. Dude, it's freaky. Like, it's out of control. And she's in a lot of pain. I, mean, I like my little bit of, you know, involvement in that. As a married man, that's about it. Married. I'm looking around South End right now. Married. Man. But I don't want to have babies. I don't want to breastfeed. Oh, my gosh. Why? It's absurd. Abortion's murder. That's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, I mean, marriage is between a man and a woman. That's the truth. You can't see anything other than that is absurd. I mean, I, I'm hearing about um, litter boxes in high schools. Absurd. Litter boxes are for cats in hell. Because I don't like cats. Pastor Diana at freedomhouse.cc is the email you want to send to about my cat. I don't like cats, okay? But come on. I mean, that's just absurd. Faithful is truthful. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We can't back off the truth. And here's the biggest thing that we tend to back off with it is our feelings. You know, um, pastoring our church for the last 20 years, I saw basically one whole movement go away now. It's gone. Is the seeker-sensitive movement. It was basically how churches became so much like the world that people could come in and feel comfortable. Listen, God, God never meant for us to feel comfortable. We're to be convicted and, and live a life under the will of God, which is not comfortable. It's not comfortable. So what happened is we have a whole seeker-sensitive movement that has made Christians way too sensitive. Way too sensitive. So you say something that's truthful to them, and they go, well, you hurt my feelings. Well, those are your feelings. So let me, let me, just, chat, let me just help you guys, because this is so important to understand. And again, this is coming from somebody that's been around for a long time. Don't ever let, some, don't ever let your feelings change your convictions. And don't ever let someone else's feelings change your convictions. Because I know what we're struggling with right now. We have friends that are saying they're non-binary and, you know, they're bisexual and they're homosexual. And so how do you handle that? You got family members that are coming out of the closet and and saying this, that, and the other. So how do you handle it? Because you're about to, in just a few weeks, you're going to sit down at a table called Thanksgiving. And you're going to look across the table and they're going to be giving you the I hate Jesus look. They're going to say, pass the sweet potato casserole. And then flipping you off as they're passing it. Because you go to church and you actually are convicted about something. Do not step off of the truth. Don't, Don't step off. Well, what if I hurt their feelings? It's their feelings. 
Don't ever be afraid. That doesn't mean you can't be kind. No, you can still be kind, but be strong and firm in your convictions. Can I get an amen? Amen. Look, I've had to face people recently that I've known for years and years and years in the church that I respected very much. And it's been difficult because they have stepped off of their convictions because a family member did something or didn't do something. And so I've had to confront them and they didn't like me anymore. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I would much rather hurt your feelings than let you go to hell. Thank you, family, for for clapping for me. I appreciate that. The six people here that believe me. Okay, here's one more. I'll give you one more. Faithful is loyal, loyal. Jesus said, you have not, he's telling the Philadelphian church, he says, you have not denied my name. In other words, faithfulness stands the test of persecution. They're loyal to the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the most powerful name. No, no, No other name is above the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2, 9, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, given the name above every name. Why, why is the name of Jesus so powerful? He was born of the Holy Spirit, immaculate birth. He was God in the flesh, all God, all man. He was sinless, and he sacrificed his life willingly. He died and was raised from the dead. He was crucified, and he sits at the right hand of God. And when we put ourselves under, submitted Jesus, you're my Lord, that name becomes powerful in our mouth. It's not just something, it's not just a name that you speak. It's actually a name that you can live your life by. And demons tremble when you say that name. Demons tremble. I think it was maybe five, six years ago, I was in uh, Ghana, Africa. And I've, I've had to deal with demonic forces a lot of times because I did a lot of traveling. Before I was a pastor, I did a lot of missionary stuff. I, I did crusades, and so you have to deal with, in, in countries unlike America, the, the biggest devil you have to deal with here in America is the religious devil. You know, that's the biggest one you have to deal with here. I mean, there are other demonic influences. But when you go to foreign countries, there's so much uh, non-God worship that you face a lot of demon-oppressed and possessed people. And so I was at this church. The church was a tree, that was the church. It was about 200 people, and it wasn't a building. I drove like an hour and a half to this little city in Ghana, Africa, and I was the keynote speaker at the church, and the church was a tree. And when I got there, they had been worshiping for an hour and a half. No guitar, no sound system. It was one guy and a tambourine, and they were dancing around the tree. And so they introduced me, you know, and, and you know, language barrier and all that stuff, and I preach a message, and at the end of the message, they bring this woman up to the front. I could tell she was demon possessed. I'd experienced it. And so I knew this woman, she was looking at me like, I'm going to kill you. And she looked like she was pregnant. And I knew immediately that she was demon possessed. And as she walked up, I said, stop right there in the name of Jesus. She stopped. Like she couldn't get any further. She was probably about 10 feet away from me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you demon to come out of her right now. And immediately she hit the deck. And they, it took four guys to carry her away. They brought her back about 30 minutes later. She, was, she looked comp- she no, no longer pregnant. It was like this thing had come out of her. Her face was glowing. She was smiling and happy. 
and excited to be in the presence of God. What I found out is she was going to a few witch doctors to try to get healed, and God healed her in that moment, delivered her. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. It wasn't Troy. The name of Jesus. Listen, if you're having problems in your house, go home under the name of Jesus and start confessing that name. Faithfulness is loyalty to the name, the power of Jesus Christ. Only by standing under that name, you gotta be submitted to that name, can you walk in that. Let me give you one more and then I'm done. Jesus said, Jesus said, faithful is persevering. He said, you were patient or you were persevering, you were enduring during this time. Remember, the Philadelphia church, they were facing a lot of idol worship. Not to mention the church, the synagogue, that was supposed to be for God was against them. And Jesus was letting them know, hey guys, listen, listen. I'm so proud of you because you are persevering. You're making it. Can, can you continue to trust God? See, this is, this is, I believe this is probably one of the most difficult things as a believer to do, is can you trust God when he seems absent in your prayers? Can you trust him when it looks like he's not doing anything? Look at me, look at me. He is doing something, by the way. That's why you have to trust him. That's why you have to persevere. Paul said in Romans, he said, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or enduring or patience and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So faithful is fruitful. This is what Jesus says faithful is. Faithful is fruitful. Faithful is dependent. Faithful is loyal. Faithful is truthful. Faithful is persevering. And guess what? Faithful is rewarded. Jesus lets us know that if we'll be faithful, he'll reward us. How? How? He, said, he says this. He makes this one. I just want to take one statement. He says, I will make you a pillar in the house of God. I love that thought. You know, a pillar... This building has pillars. These big parts of the wall, these are pillars. You remove those, the wall comes down. I had a house. I didn't know that these pillars in the house were actually important pillars, and I started to come down because I didn't like them. Matt remembers. I, I had him. I said, hey, do you think these are pillars? He goes, oh, I think they're all right. You can cut them down. I was like, man, what are you worth? You're worth nothing. Thank goodness I had somebody else take a look at it. Don't ever ask Matt about pillars in your house. I'm just kidding. So I started cutting them down. Thank goodness I didn't because this general contractor came in who knew the house. And he goes, go underneath and you can see where it's holding up everything. These are important pillars. Don't cut them down. What happens is when we're faithful, God sets us up to be the stability of those around us. Sometimes it's in the house of God. Sometimes it's in our family. And so that's what I believe for you, that as you're faithful, God will put you in a position where you will be stable. You'll, you'll be that rock for somebody. You'll be that person that they can come to. That, they, that you're, you, you become the patriarch, the matriarch, the person that they can depend on because you're faithful. Why don't you stand with me? I, I want to pray for you before you go. Because I think feel, some of you are feeling that calling. Maybe, maybe you need to step up in your fruit. Maybe you need to step up in your loyalty. 
Maybe you need to step up in your truthfulness. Maybe you need to step up in your dependence on the power of God. Father, I pray for every person here, every person within the sound of my voice, God, that you would uh, just speak to them in whatever area of faithfulness that we as the church of the living God should operate in. Father, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that you would specifically speak to them about their faithfulness to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. God, we can all do better uh, in our fruitfulness and our works. God, we can all do better in our loyalty to you and our truth telling. God, we can all get better. So Father, I pray that we would take a step of faith today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and maybe you don't know God, maybe you've never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're here today and you fell away from God. You you stopped serving him. You know your life is not pleasing. Let me pray for you today. Let's not, don't walk out of this place without making Jesus the Lord of your life. Saying yes to him. If that's you, I just want to ask you to do something real simple. I'm not going to have you come up front. I just simply want you to put your hand on your chest. It's between you and God. Just put your hand right on your chest. You say, that's me. I want to get right with God today. I want to make sure that I'm going to heaven. I want to make sure that I have the strength and the presence and the power of God living in my life. Just put your hand right on your chest. I want to pray for you. You want to get right. You you got sins in your life you need forgiveness for. Listen, God wants to forgive you. He'll release you. That's, That's part of what Jesus died for is for you to be forgiven, released, set free from your sin. Look, sin is a a terrible prison to live in. He'll release you from shame and guilt. Look, we've all been there. We know what it feels like. So Father, I pray for every person, God, as they take this step of faith. And Lord, you'll help them to be faithful. So I want you guys, if you put your hand on your chest and church family, would you join with them as they make this declaration? Let's all say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead so I could have new life that starts right now. Lord Jesus, I will worship you and I will serve you forever in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.